Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space, midwives come in and they create a safe space. And they're not doing that when they first meet you when you're in labor. That community building is happening before you even get to that point. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California? and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. Hey, lady, before we jump into the episode, we just want to let you know that we ran into some technical issues, so the audio isn't the best, but we hope it doesn't take away from the message. Please be patient with us, and thank you, as always, for listening and supporting. All right, let's get into the episode. All right, lady, we have two very special guests that I absolutely love and adore today in Cultivating Her Space. We have my doulas, Deandra Hunden and Stephanie Dixon are the founders of Bear With Me, a mother-daughter doula duo. Both San Francisco natives and Bayview Hunters Point residents, this duo strives to reclaim the role of Black birth workers in America while advocating for maternal equality for all. Some of Deandra and Stephanie's responsibilities include working with midwives, doulas, and other board members to foster communication between low-income people and people of color. They also work as doulas and childbirth educators through their formal partnerships with the medical staff at UCSF, San Francisco Department of Public Health, and Sister Web Community Doula Program. Their business is based in San Francisco and serves a wide range of clients across the Bay Area. Deandra and Stephanie, welcome to Cultivating Her Space. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. This is going to be so much fun. Yes, we're so excited. We're so excited you're here. We're so excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Yes, I am looking forward to this conversation. I think it's a really, really important one that we need to have. And so I want to start us with our quote of the day. It's not just the physical act of giving birth that holds the most powerful memories for women. It's how the people around her made her feel and the way she was cared for before, during, and after birth. I'm going to read that one one more time for the people in the Mm -hmm. back. Let that one sink Mm -hmm. into our hearts and minds. It's not just the physical act of giving birth that holds the most powerful memories for women. It's how the people around her made her feel and the way she was cared for before, during, and after birth. Ladies, when you hear this quote, I mean, when I hear it, I immediately think of the, the powerful work that you two are doing. But when you hear it, I, I, I want to know what comes up for you. I'll start and say, when I hear that quote, that is the definition of a doula. That's exactly what it is. It's the, it's, it's the work we do that positively affects and makes a, that birthing person feel amazing and cared for and loved before, during, and after birth. That is the definition in that quote of the work that we do. That's what I thought. It's very similar to what I was thinking as well, which is... I thought about all the rooms and the spaces and places that we were in and the people that we supported. And yeah, that's us as doers in that space. Now, can you all, I know this might be interesting because you probably both have different, or I'm sure you have different origin stories, but can you talk a little bit about your origin story and what inspired you to begin this journey of being a birth worker? Let's do it in the order. <laughs> Let's do it in, who came, in first? the who came first, right? Because <laughs> now you now now I know Stephanie knows having a, a daughter of her own, a child of her own now that that whatever she does, you know, her daughter does it because she did it. So therefore, whatever you did, it's because I did it. Okay, so here we go. So my origin story is is this. Ever since I was a little child, I wanted to be a birth worker. I thought that was a medical doctor that delivered babies and didn't happen initially as I grew older and grew up. And because really largely I thought I didn't have any role I didn't have any role models. So I thought to follow in the footsteps of being a birth worker slash eventually doula, but at the time delivering babies. And quite honestly, it wasn't until I was turning 50. I was sitting in my living room trying to decide what I wanted to do with the second half of this amazing life. And (laughs) maybe if this gets her, if she hasn't already listened to the podcast, I literally heard Oprah Winfrey come through my TV and say, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Come to my workshop to be and live your best life. And I said, okay, I'm going to sign up and get certified and be a doula. That's my story. (laughs) So DeAndre, you started the journey at 50 years old. That's when you decided? I started the journey at 50 years old. That is so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. 
and still inspired again. I can start over and do something too. That's kind of amazing because now I'm only 25, so I don't know how that works. (laughs) There you go. But you know, I think that's so beautiful and powerful because my inspiration for becoming a doula does come from you. And it comes from you because I watched you have faith and I watched you take a leap and I watched you go into a line of work that you were passionate about and seeing your passion in the work ultimately motivated me after having Zuri. Having Zuri was my motivation for stepping into this work. I knew I wanted to educate other people about my experience and share with them what I learned. And so I started off as a childbirth educator, but ultimately becoming a doula because I felt like I was missing out a little bit and I wanted to be there. I wanted to be in the room. I wanted to take what I was teaching and actually be able to apply it. Yeah. yeah. You were my inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. T. Okay. I'm not trying to interrupt the show, but I had this random idea I want to share with you and I don't want to forget it. Tell me, tell me, what is it? Okay. So, you know how at the start of every new year, birthday, new moon, anniversary, new month, new anything, people find themselves wanting to have a reset, but they're not sure where to start. Mm -hmm, I sure do. What are you thinking? What if we hosted a workshop where we could interact with our listeners to talk about stuff like self-care and self-love? OMG. And we could even have a session about manifestation, leaving toxic relationships and becoming our best selves. Girl, I am so excited. I'm sold. We could call it the Vibrate Higher Empowerment Workshop. Yes. Yes. That is it. And, and, and we could even host a live quarterly wind down to check in and build community as we vibrate higher all year. Yo, I love it. I love it. I'm sold. Let's do it. Lady, if this sounds like fun to you, visit newyearworkshop.com and join us for the Vibrate Higher Empowerment Workshop. If you want to release baggage, set intentions, and manifest the life you desire, this is just for you, lady. That's newyearworkshop.com. We We can't can't wait wait to to connect connect with you. you. Lady, as you are listening, you know, Deandra, Stephanie, Terry, like they have a relationship. So it's like, so I'm coming in and I am just in awe of the connection that mother daughter bond that the two of you have is so, it's so beautiful. Oh, so lady, okay, okay, lady, if you if you're listening, then you really have to go and subscribe on Patreon so that you could see the video. Like you have to just see. It's not gonna be enough for you to listen to us. Like you have to see this. It is beautiful. So I wanna take us back just a little bit because I heard a few terms and I know what they mean after being in conversation with you all. But I want our listeners to know what these terms mean. So I heard doula, I heard midwife, I heard birth worker, I heard childbirth educator. Did I catch catch them all? Okay. You got them. You got them. 
So what, what, do, what are all of those different terms? I'll start with childbirth educator and then maybe we could work away. Yeah, I think that's the perfect. That's perfect. A childbirth educator is someone who is trained in childbirth education. So they are the person that's coming in and teaching the birthing person and their partner and their family, everything from pregnancy to labor and birth, postpartum and beyond. And it is our job to be like a wealth of knowledge and information Mm -hmm. because essentially we're the teachers. And if you can imagine going into like a labor and birth class or a prenatal class that you would take before you're, you're in labor, essentially that's what a childbirth educator does is we create that space, we cultivate it, we bring you in um, and we inform and educate and empower you on the Mm -hmm. different stages and what you can expect. Mm -hmm. So a birth worker, let me just get to it. So the, the, if you look up the definition of doula, the definition in the dictionary will have some words in there that often more and more now as a birth worker of color, we are not subscribing to. And some of those words in there is that it is a woman who is actually slaving to support other women. Right. So because of that, the, that definition of that, that word being within the definition, often more and more doulas of color are removing ourselves from the term doula and birth worker, birth keeper are words that we're starting to replace with the word doula. That's that. super helpful. So thank yeah. you for that educational tip. And hopefully as time goes on, that will trans will kind of transition mm-hmm. from using doula mm-hmm. to birth worker. Mm-hmm. The other question was midwife because I know that people mm-hmm. use doula midwife interchangeably. What's the yeah. difference between a doula yeah. and a or birth worker and a midwife? Yeah, so a midwife is a person who is trained and highly skilled in obstetrics, and so they are the person that is there actually, if you can imagine, to act to catch your baby. The doula is the person who may be that constant person that's there from the moment you say, I need you, through pushing, through the birth of your baby, into postpartum. And a midwife would work closely with the doula also to be in communication about where you're at. And ideally, they'll come in closer to that pushing stage because they really want to be there to monitor what's happening before, to check dilation. Sometimes they come in and out to check dilation, depending upon how you're progressing. But essentially, they are the ones that are there to catch your baby. And they're providing the emotional and physical support, the mental support, the, the spiritual support. And they are also a part of cultivating that space and that community around you. They are there with an obstetrics lens. Mm-hmm. So they can do all the things that a doula cannot do because we are not trained in obstetrics. Mm-hmm. The midwife, as Stephanie, as you said, when I hear you saying that the midwife visually, I'm always thinking they're the ones that check in the blood pressure. They're the ones that are going to see whether or not you're dialing. So they're actually going to do physical exams. We're doulas. We are not. We're not. So that is, I would say, the biggest I guess Stephanie was defining the biggest differences is that the midwife is going to do hands-on medical touch. Doulas, we're not going to do hands-on medical touch. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Super helpful. And then let's talk a bit about why Black women are at high risk of dying from pregnancy and childbirth, because I know that this is something that inspired me to go the route of having a midwife and a doula. It's 
the fact that this is a statistic, right? Like that's yeah. real and we see it often in media and, you mm-hmm. know, people have personal experiences, I'm sure who mm-hmm. listen to the podcast. So can we talk mm-hmm. a bit about why mm-hmm. that's the case for black mm-hmm. women? I want to frame a little bit that in the United States, we spend the least amount of money on women's health issues and women health care. And I think that's important to understand when we think of all the different ways this country spends money and all the different things we do. But women's health care and specifically birth research is at one of the lowest percentages of money spent on research is for women's care and, and birth. So to Terry, to your question, that really totally connects to why studies are really have been really hard and difficult to get big, bold studies done on birth and birth outcomes in this country, but specifically Black women, because as if you think about who's going to get the money spent, Black women at the bottom, bottom of that, of the spending category, the pass the baton to staff. Yeah, no, I believe that another factor or a couple factors that play into that when we think about why black women are at high risk of dying in pregnancy and childbirth in hospital settings is because there are two themes I think that meet, which is this theme of implicit bias and then what I've learned is medical racism. And when they meet Unfortunately, they create the perfect recipe for what we're seeing is that black women are dying three to four times more likely than their white counterparts. So when we say implicit bias, we mean the stereotypes and the preconceived notions that are being brought into the room, which we know are rooted in a lot of slavery and systemic racism that we've seen over time, hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And so the black body. The black female body is viewed as something that can be picked at and prodded and poked apart because we've been examined for years. Our bodies have been used for it to be examined for medical purposes. And so we aren't seen as human beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're seen as a project. Mm-hmm. So when we make a complaint or we bring a concern to something that we're feeling or something that's happening within our body. It's mm-hmm. not taken as seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the lens that it's seen through is one from a medical perspective rather than a human perspective. I'm telling you that I am in pain. I'm telling you that I am uncomfortable. And so those things get overlooked and we've seen that. And I think one of the most popular stories that's developed and grown over time amongst many, but because this person is a celebrity, As Serena Williams' story and her blood clotting that she experienced is a direct result of that. She is an athlete, a top performing athlete. So if you can imagine a provider coming in with this preconceived notion that she's the strong woman on top of the implicit bias, on top of the medical racism that they've been brought up in, that's seeped in the room and in the care, it's overlooked. And so that is like that perfect recipe for, unfortunately, a lot of our women and a lot of our people dying in childbirth or in immediate postpartum. Those are the two Mm -hmm. themes that I feel like we have Mm -hmm. to continue to pay close attention to and to continue to dissect and break down and educate Mm -hmm. people on. Because from my experience, Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of it comes from. That's where a lot of it Mm -hmm. is rooted in. 
in addition to what you're saying mm-hmm. about economic differences, what's available, resources, and information. And that's a hundred percent, of course, a hundred percent correct. And the third piece I would add mm-hmm. is, is that, that, you know, many of us are aware of the 2016 CDC study. So again, this was the largest study mm-hmm. around birth specifically to black women. And within the, the realm of biases and prejudice approaches to thinking about people is we, for years until this, this research was done, the thought was that it was low, uneducated Black women who had horrible birth outcomes. That's, that's what the belief was, is if you were uneducated and low income, you're, yeah, that's why you were having these bad birth outcomes. And again, with this 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 report in 2016, and there are other studies that continue to happen, but they're continuing to happen because doulas and midwives and others of color are pushing up against the system and are continuing to, to ask and demand for more research and study. But the 2016 study is the one in which we learned about the inadequacies between Black women and white women. And because of this report, we've been able to point to something. And that's unfortunate that it's not enough because I, as a Black woman, said it. But it has to be this huge support that really kind of pulled the ugliness from the back and put it to the front. So that's our answer. (laughs) And that's what we're passionate about. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, you. you know, I know that like I had seen, I'd heard Serena Williams story and then I started hearing from lots of other black women mm-hmm. and who have had similar experiences mm-hmm. where they were ignored. Mm-hmm. What they said, you know, in the doctor's office was ignored by white and black physicians alike. Correct. And and so I think Mm -hmm. that the work you all are doing is so incredibly important. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about misconceptions, because I think a lot of times Mm -hmm. in particularly within the black community, Mm -hmm. when there are things in mainstream culture, like misconceptions Mm -hmm. in that are put out in mainstream culture, we tend to buy into those misconceptions or believe those misconceptions, right? Mm-hmm. So one of them being that you have to be rich and white mm-hmm. to have a midwife, to have a doula or a birth worker, mm-hmm. or to have a birth outside of the hospital setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my question is, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you all are aware of around home births? I'll start by saying when I was sharing my story about becoming a a doula, I said in this conversation that I thought there were, I had no role models. I thought I had no role models. And as, as my story moves forward and continues, I I actually learned that I, I did have a role model and that was our Aunt Hattie May. And Aunt Hattie May was the midwife, was the doula in our small town in which my father grew up. In fact, we learned that Aunt Hattie May delivered all the babies in town, white, black, everyone in in between and in the middle. So once we 
got into birth work and did our own family research, we found out that we come, we're standing on the shoulders of our family members who were doulas and midwives. So I, I wanted to say that because to leap into the why and the, to, to answer the, to talk about the misconceptions, that's a huge misconception right there. That doulas and midwives were white, all white. Oh my gosh, no. You know, there is, if, if, if your listeners and readers haven't dove into some research, folks should dive into and ask and research what, are, what were granny midwives? Granny midwives in this country, as our Aunt Hattie Mae, were delivering the babies of this country. But it wasn't until white males saw the potential profit. Because there's, there's, there's two things we go to the hospital for, or pretty much guaranteed, two things are guaranteed in our lives, birth and death. So they had the death on lockdown, but they had to get into the birth business. So how, how this country got into the birth business was to put rumors out about being fearful of the granny midwives, put rumors out about that they weren't educated and capable to deliver, deliver your child, put rumors out that if you do have a granny midwife deliver your baby, you and your baby may not survive. Intentional. Shut them down in this country. So that's where the gap started. That's where the gap of, of the misconception that black people weren't birth workers. And that was an intentional shutdown. Yeah, I would say that's a lot where a lot of the propaganda around birthing at home being unsafe was came from. Because as we said before, midwives are trained, highly skilled, highly educated in obstetrics. They know how to catch babies. They know what to look for. They know how to monitor heartbeats. They know how to do all the things that your provider would know how to do in a hospital setting. Now, I think what is different, obviously, is the technology, right? You're not, in most cases, depending upon what type of midwife you're working with, you may not have the same technology at home as you would at a birth center or at a hospital. And so I think the idea of that technology not being there to intercept something that could possibly happen is a fear-based approach to thinking about home births. Midwives come in and they create a safe space. And they're not doing that when they first meet you when you're in labor. That community building is happening before you even get to that point. The monitoring and the checking and the, the health measures that are taking place, all of those things are happening before we even get to labor. Mm-hmm. I think there's this thought that like you just go into birth and then your midwife just randomly shows up. No, there's a lot that's being happened that's happening that's taking place before we even get to that point. So I just I want to go back to the fact that they are, they are highly skilled and educated professionals <laughs> that have an assist there with them. So it's not just one midwife, right? There's a team. In, in most cases, you want to see two midwives that are there to support you because they are backing up one another and supporting one another as well. Yes, and in most cases, there's there's well. There will be the two midwives. Mm-hmm. So there's the primary and the backup, as Stephanie said, the assist. Mm-hmm. And then you got your doula. And then your doula has a backup. 
<laughs> so that's four, potentially four people mm-hmm. in the room that have known you for months. The four same people. The four same people. Mm-hmm. And not just you as the birthing person, mm-hmm. but your partner. Mm-hmm. Maybe your mama. Maybe your grandmama, maybe your papa, right? We've been at births with five, six families deep, right? Because part of our work is we're not just dueling the pregnant person or the partner or the husband, but we're also dueling mom or dad or siblings. We duel everybody, right? Because trust and safety. Is a huge part of a beautiful, wonderful birth experience, right? Trust and health and safety is 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 a is so core to a healthy birthing experience, right? So again, breaking some of the misconceptions is going back and understanding our history. Our history is strong. We were the first in many ways in this in this work of doula or midwifery, and I think that's that that's a great start. That's a that's a great start. Let's go back in the history. Yeah, that was so beautifully stated, and it's so disheartening to hear about the propaganda and you know how we got away from what was natural to us, and how a lot of people. I, I'm sure we've all talked to other people that look like us, and they're very hesitant, very skeptical, very apprehensive about a home birth or having birth anywhere outside of a hospital. And so it's just so interesting when you think about that's what our ancestors used to do anyway, right? So when you think about the services, mm-hmm. the, yeah, really the service, right. Mm-hmm. That you all provide with bear with me duo. What are some of the things that folks can expect from you all when they work with you? And I'd love to hear more about the postpartum care in that yeah. offering as well. So I would say specifically services that families can count on with Bear With Me is, again, like I said, we are are going to be a continuum of care and a continuum of support. We suggest that with Bear With Me, if you're in securing us as your doulas, that you do so, you know, late in maybe late in your second trimester, definitely by your third, go ahead and have us secured and, and, and ready to go. So... Services in the prenatally are those CBE educational opportunities. We come to your home. You you don't have to go outside of your, the comfort of your home for us to teach you about what's happening in your body, to teach you comfort techniques, to teach you how your partner mm-hmm. it can support you and be a part of this beautiful experience. We definitely are part of every day of your labor and delivery on the day of, we call it day of care. So that's 24 hour phone support, 24 hour texting and emailing if that's what you prefer. We're 24 hours hands on, voice on when you're going into labor. And we're definitely there for the day that your little one comes in the world, coaching, motivating, reminding you that you got this, your body is made for it. You know, it's all good. And then with your partner, we're like whispering in, into your partner's ear. Remember, we taught you that part. Remember, we said this is what's going to happen so that they can go over and they can be the champion and the hero with you. Right. And that they can, too, be involved in the birth of that of their little one. Yeah. What do I say about postpartum? 
as well as the labor and birth. We are always excited and happy to be a part of that experience. Very honestly, if a family said, look, Deandra, we are only able to do either prenatally or, or postpartum doula support, which one should we do? I'm going to point them to the postpartum. Yes. I'm going to point them to the postpartum, <laughs> right? Terry came in and said, yes. <laughs> I'm going to point them to the postpartum because the postpartum piece is, is usually where this, when your baby is here and you, you have that excitement and, and adrenaline on the, on, on the moment of the birth. And then a few hours later, you go, oh my goodness, they're going to let us keep this little life. What do we do? That's part of a doula's work is to help teach and calm and explain and show quickly after that you're exhausted you're exhausting you go so my goodness we just need to sleep a little bit so that's part of a doula's work our work is to come in we do day visits and come in the daytime and do teaching and showing we do overnight visits overnight visits are my personal favorite because I get to hang out Right, right. yours too. I get, we get to hang out with that little baby all night and, and let mama and papa get as much sleep and rest as possible. We'll cook, we'll clean, I get we'll to wash. Clean. Yeah, go, go to the cleaning. No, I get to clean at night. During the daytime, there's a little too much conversation. I want you to wake up and know that your space is clean. Those things are folded, they're put away. Yeah. Dishwasher's loaded and ran. Like, I think it's really important for those little touches. Oh, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. one of the reasons why I love Steve. Yeah, yeah. Making coffee, I'm a little skeptical. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember the family. We just postpartum for with the family some time ago, and they had one of these most expensive, fancy coffee yes. machines. And they literally said, "If you could make coffee in the morning and we wake up, oh my gosh, you don't oh, know how wonderful." Everybody has a different coffee setup. Oh my gosh, I'm googling, I'm looking up this coffee machine. I'm like, oh, it was a mess. It was. I think I even called you. How do I use this coffee machine? But literally, I I say that, that and we we give. I'm saying that because postpartum is. Hopefully, I'm we're we're sharing in a deep enough, righteous, righteous enough way. But we truly believe that that it is so important, and it's one of the most overlooked parts of a doula's work is postpartum care. You can't sell that much for postpartum. You know, people. You know, you go to the stores and they have all the pregnancy stuff on the shelf mm-hmm. but there's not a it's not a nice little box that says postpartum with your doula sitting in the box so. exactly even though I they need the, that yeah <laughs> it that. sounds like they really do oh my goodness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think about like the statistics around how many women or how many birthing persons experience postpartum mm-hmm. depression Mm-hmm. Not just not not just baby blues, because the last statistic that I saw was that it was like something around 85 percent of mm-hmm. birthing people will experience baby mm-hmm. blues. Mm-hmm. But to the point mm-hmm. where it's postpartum depression, it's still mm-hmm. a large number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as I listen to you talk about the services that you provide in that mm-hmm. postpartum piece, and I think mm-hmm. about all of my friends who have and family who have given birth mm-hmm. and how many of them would have benefited mm-hmm. tremendously from having mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. So for those families that are looking for a doula, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what are the questions that when they're interviewing, 
what are the questions that they should be asking? Like, what are the qualities? Because you all just sound like amazing. <laughs> I was sitting Thank there you. like, Thank I don't, I'm like, I Thank don't you. want to have children, but if I d- ever made that decision, I'm we like, got you. this is exactly what I would need. Yeah, we got and you. So, and so what are the things that folks should look for? Mm-hmm. When they are trying to find the doula that is right for them, mm-hmm. you can tag team on these two. Yeah, I think for sure the first thing you you want to look for is more of a feeling. What do you feel mm-hmm. when your doula is talking to you about their experience? What are you hearing? Like, what are you feeling inside of you? Mm-hmm. I think now one of the beautiful things is that. There's so much technology so you can get on. You can actually see them face to face, right? And so that helps too. But the first thing that came to mind for me is like, what what energy do you feel? Because mm-hmm. I think we know our bodies feel a lot more and they feel it faster mm-hmm. than what our minds are actually hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the first thing that came to mind. I have a couple of things to no, no. <laughs> I would say open to your birthing wishes, you know, really, really with, for bear with me. We'll go in and sit down and we'll speak with the family as they're considering whether or not we're the right doulas for them. And we'll say often, you know, what we were taught is not our baby, it's not our body, it's not our birth. So if you say, look, you know, to us, hey, bear with me, DeAndre, Stephanie, you know, as soon as I walk into my medical provider space and later I'm taking an epidural. Fantastic. Or if you go for it, we're going to support you on that. You know, let's talk about why that's important to you. Right. How can we most help you feel empowered by that decision? If we walk in and, and again, you're thinking about working with and you say, we're going to have a home birth. Fantastic. And we're going to go unmedicated. Let's do this. Our work is to support you, is to understand why that's important to you and help prepare you for that experience. So I would say open to your birthing wishes. Yeah. And I would say your question should definitely center around what your birthing wishes are. Mm-hmm. What, if you're someone who... For example, yeah, you do want an epidural mm-hmm. when you walk right in. I feel like a question you want to ask is, well, what's your experience working with families who may who have made that type of request? Mm-hmm. If there's a doula who's uncomfortable with that mm-hmm. and that is not their type of doula mm-hmm. support that they want to offer, mm-hmm. ideally you want to hear them say that. Or mm-hmm. if you hear them struggling to answer it, then they may not be your person. Mm-hmm. Because we can confidently say, okay, you know, we've had these experiences before. Mm-hmm. This is how we have navigated that with our families. Mm-hmm. So you're really listening to see how are they responding to what you're conveying as, mm-hmm. a, as a, not even a wish of yours, but a requirement mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to be supported. Like, this is what I'm requiring of you. And you want to hear for what, how they're responding to that. I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing is not holding back what you want within mm-hmm. your experience saying what you want, not mm-hmm. what you think your doula wants to hear. Ooh, I think yes. sometimes people think oh, most doulas want me to have like this unmedicated experience. Yes. And so they're telling the doula what they think we want to hear. No, mm-hmm. I want to hear what you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. going to tell me how I'm supposed to support you. And it leaves little room for any surprises. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, last thing I'll say here is that being supportive of your spiritual, religious, mm-hmm. and cultural beliefs. 
Right. And, and again, that does, it's extremely important. We've worked with families where, you know, have been extremely spiritual or extremely religious because that's what grounds them. That's what makes them feel safe. That would make them feel cared for. And that we have to be able to connect to that because if not, and that's extremely important to them, we, they would feel it and we wouldn't be our best selves in supporting. So I, I really think that supportive of the spiritual, religious and, and other cultural beliefs mm-hmm. is really important. And so families should just put it out there. Just put it out there. It's up to the doulas to say, oh, well, maybe that's, maybe we're not a good match for each other, mm-hmm. right? But put it out there. Yeah. That is so helpful, so beautiful. I do have a question, but I have to add a few more amazing experiences that I had with you all. I do want to emphasize the, radic- the radical honesty. I know that when giving birth, letting your doula or your birth team know about things that you may have trouble releasing. So for me, for instance, I talked about it on the podcast, mm-hmm. the you know, being estranged from my mother during, mm-hmm. you know, the time that I gave birth, letting my doula know that was so important because we were able to process a lot of that mm-hmm. together so that I wasn't holding on to that, thinking about that when it was time to, you know, mm-hmm. release the baby, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe that I did not struggle with postpartum depression or baby blues mm-hmm. because of my birth team and the mental preparation that I did. And there were so many different Mm -hmm. components, but the support was so crucial. And I'm talking about, they made sure that I bathed. Like I took a bath almost every day after even birth, my little six bath. They made sure that I did and kept the baby. I remember DeAndre massaging my feet and my legs when I got (laughs) out the shower. You deserve it. You deserve it. I was like, yes. Also supporting my husband to make sure that he felt important because a lot of times people just focus on the birthing person. So letting, you know, the partner know like you're valuable here. There's a role for you as well. And then keeping the baby throughout the night and making that food and like, coming upstairs like okay you need to eat this to make sure your milk supply is good and yes. let me support you with breastfeeding because yes. that was challenging in the beginning yes. and yes. then i would say the last thing is the closing ceremony we had a beautiful closing mm. ceremony yes. at the end of the postpartum care so lady if you're listening if you had to choose between prenatal and postpartum care i'm telling you that postpartum care mm-hmm. with the right doula team is yes. incredible and that really mm-hmm. sets yeah. you up for success so this leads into my question and my question mm-hmm. for you ladies is is having a doula, is this a realistic option for someone that is on a tight budget? Mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear your feedback about any resources out there because I know there might mm-hmm. be, you know, women or birthing people that are listening and they're like, well, I want to get a doula, but we're on a tight budget. Mm-hmm. So what recommendations or, or resources do you all have mm-hmm. for folks that do want to plan to birth this way? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to use myself as an example. When mm-hmm. I was pregnant with my daughter, I had just graduated school and had no money, <laughs> but I was able to make everything happen. The reason why is because of what you're asking us is you have to take the time to do some research research, and lean on your community mm-hmm. and find out where you can find someone, meaning your doula, if it's a midwife team, your midwife, finding out where those people are who can meet your needs mm-hmm. because a mm-hmm. lot of the times it's just asking yeah okay. it's just asking mm-hmm. and the ask can feel really heavy because for all, all the reasons for all the reasons mm-hmm. but the ask can feel really heavy but i think that was the main thing is find one doula reach out to them and tell them what your needs are 
And if for some reason that person is out of your budget, say, is there anyone that you know that could offer me a sliding scale or a free service? And chances are just because it's community work as do is we know somebody and we know somebody good. And we're going to send you their way. That's just how it is. We don't, we don't want you to do without a doula. So we're always thinking, and if we don't know somebody, we're probably going to look up somebody for you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so I, my, my first thing is just in thinking about myself and where I was at, uh-huh. was just saying what your needs are and uh-huh. asking. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> you get you got a free doula too. I got a free doula too. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? right. <laughs> My doula's sitting right next to you. But this will point you in the direction. Make sure I'm free for free, okay? Just gotta ask. <laughs> I would add to the to the research element is 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 really understand how much it costs for you to have your baby in the hospital. Like actually know what those numbers are, right? And those numbers you know, can range anywhere, and it depends upon what state you're living, of course, but anywhere from 5000 to $11,000, $14,000 to give birth in the hospital, mm-hmm. right? So, so often what folks will say, well, yeah, 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 but I have insurance and my insurance will cover X pieces. Mm-hmm. But insurance, you actually are paying for your insurance. Mm-hmm. So you're you're actually not getting birth like free or this extreme, like no cost to you. But I, I, I mentioned that about researching how much it actually costs to give birth in the hospital. And then how much does it cost to have, you know, a out of hospital birth or home birth, or even if you're going to stay in the hospital, but then look at what the cost of your doula is. And, and it really is a fraction of, of what it costs to not have it. To, to not have a doula. And you match that up against what are all these wonderful benefits that we've talked about today on this podcast and and how helpful it is. And it's really hard, I think, to put a price on 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 that on our care that we give as doulas. So I think that's super important to say. I will then also say this, and what I often tell folks who do ask and say, hey, this is a little bit, this is out of our budget. I say, well, let me ask you something. Have you had your baby shower yet? Mm-hmm. And they go, well, no, you know, my, my, my mother-in-law is planning that. And I said, well, how about instead, I said, because let me tell you, what a newborn baby needs is, is, is two things. And if you're breastfeeding, it's the mama's breast and it's the mama's breast because we don't <laughs> even need the other breasts because we don't even, babies don't even need diapers. You actually do not need diapers. So. I share that with families and I say, so rethink if you're, what are the gifts you're going to get from that baby shower? What if you ask folks to give to your, to to help you pay for your doula? Mm -hmm. And the light bulb goes on. The light bulb goes on. Right. The light bulb goes on. Community. Right. For, I'm going to tell the details, but for Stephanie's birth of Zuri, there was a, an experience she wanted to have within her birth. And her uncle came to her and said, well, what, what, what gift would you like for me? And she said, she told them. And that was your encapsulation or yep. your placenta encapsulation. Yep. 
So that was his gift to her. He didn't know what it was at first. <laughs> I mean, she right. Like, okay. She had to break it down. What was happening? What's the placenta? What it is about? Oh, what a beautiful moment, you know, educating yes. this beautiful so black beautiful. Family, ladies. Really quick, yeah. can you talk about wh- why babies don't need diapers for folks that are like, yeah. wait, what should she lost me there? And then also okay. placenta encapsulation. Yeah. Yes. yes. You know, you all have to keep. You know, we'll do this all day, every day about birth. So you have to bring do do what you are doing beautiful. <laughs> which is bring us bring us around so the reason why i say babies don't need diapers and, and again go back to say babies need two, two things mm-hmm. breast and breast mm-hmm. they do need if you're breastfeeding if you're bottle feeding then they need the bottle with the with the formula in it mm-hmm. so they need nourishment and the reason why i say you don't need diapers is because diapers in the scheme of human life are so new they are i should probably i should look this up when what year were diapers discovered right or or formed and i when i say diapers i mean disposable diapers right but but anyway babies don't need them you can you can wrap a baby up in a blanket and let and baby do their business and you take the blanket and put it in the water in the wash to get ready to wash it it's baby it's baby pee and baby poop. It's really nothing. Very right? very it's fresh. very fresh. It's very <laughs> healthy, right? So babies don't, that's what I mean by babies don't need diapers. Mm-hmm. We can care for babies in a different way. But if you're like, no, 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 DeAndra, my baby going to have some diapers, then get a doula and some diapers and have two breasts or a bottle. So that, and that's all you need. That's it. And then Stephanie, the placenta encapsulation, just in case folks yeah. are not familiar. Yes. So I had my placenta encapsulated. And what that means is after I birthed my baby, I birthed my placenta and immediately my placenta was put on ice in a little ice box. And a doula friend who also encapsulates placentas came, she picked it up, she took it home, she dehydrated my placenta and broke it down and put it into capsule form so I could just take it as pills, essentially. Some people eat it. Some people blend it up. I think the most important part is preserving it so that preservation process is very important right after you birth it. But yeah, I put mine into pills and had them encapsulated and it was the best decision that I ever made. (laughs) And I was so grateful for my uncle just asking me what I needed and me having the foresight and the support to say that that's what I I wanted. I feel like for me personally, it definitely helped me navigate postpartum. And Terry, just back to what you were saying, like it's really important to also have a good team around you because I believe coupling, having my doula team and my midwifery team with my encapsulated placenta really made for like the perfect combination for postpartum. The first you guys were a little rough, you know, with learning how to latch and to, to nurse. That can be challenging. But after getting through that, I was healthy. Can I say a little bit why placenta encapsulation? Yeah. Can I share a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Yes, so, please do. So I, I will say that I'm going to circle back to the, the limited amount of research that's done on women and specifically birth, right? So... In the evidence-based information, the research around placenta effectiveness of ingesting placenta, mm-hmm. your placenta, there hasn't been big, huge studies done, mm-hmm. right? So if you look at the evidence-based, you will find 
that the information kind of goes up and down. Mm-hmm. Some folks are saying it's amazing. It's the best experience they ever had because, and, and others say, oh, I couldn't really tell that in, ingesting my, my placenta mm-hmm. made a difference mm-hmm. for Stephanie. It made a difference. She can point to it. She can share it. Mm-hmm. It's clear. Mm-hmm. The placenta is the only organ in the body that is grown for one purpose and one purpose only. So no one is walking around with the placenta in their body until they're pregnant. Fascinating. (laughs) Right? Blows your mind. And so amazing that once your baby is born, the placenta goes, all right, body, this was cool hanging out with you, but I got to go because my little baby's gone is gone. So now I'm going to go too. Mm-hmm. It detaches and it exits your body. Mm-hmm. But the placenta, if you haven't, those listening haven't seen one, Google and look at one, you know, online. It's nothing like looking like looking at one in, in, in the flesh, mm-hmm. but it is, it is the life organ is the organ that allows your baby to be nourished and live. Mm-hmm. That is the placenta. So when we're talking and mm-hmm. Stephanie is sharing about ingesting it, mm-hmm. what we know is all that amazing nutrition is in that placenta. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to eat it. I want to digest it. You want to eat it? You want to digest right, it, right? right? The okay. hormones that are have kept you, you know, that are have that have you've grown or elevated in your body are, are all kind of hanging out still in that placenta, mm-hmm. right? Not only is ingesting it important for some birthing folks, but also the placenta in some cultures is revered as the most sacred organ. Mm-hmm. The most sacred organ. Organ. So in some cultures, the placenta is actually, there's a celebration that happens specifically around the placenta for saying thank you for giving this baby life. Mm-hmm. Some cultures, the placenta is buried and then a small tree is planted on top of it as a reminder of the continuum of life that that placenta gave the baby and continues to give that tree. Mm-hmm. Right. So I know we've gone down the placenta, <laughs> the placenta hole, pun intended, but we've gone down the placenta hole. Placenta hole. But it, it, it is a fascinating, it, it is fascinating. And this, this, this is just doulas geeking out right now. Totally. <laughs> I, I appreciate that because I know that there are so many of us that needed this education mm-hmm. so that if it's not for ourselves, it's for in the support of someone we love. Yes. And so You know, as I think about all of the work that you all do, I have one question that may feel kind of nosy, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You can ask it. You can ask anything, Dr. Dom. You're in our family now. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) How do you all care for yourselves? Because I I hear all of the work that you all are doing to care for others. Mm -hmm. And so, what do you do? to fill your cup so that you can do this work? Well, I just learned how to care for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. This is very fresh. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, being mindful of who I'm giving my energy to when we say, yes, Mm. we want to work with you. I now know I've worked with so many families. We've had a lot of great families. But I've also learned who, who am I giving my energy to? 
Let me, let me ask myself that. Is this a good fit? Is this a good match for me? And I think doulas need to ask ourselves that. I think we're eager to get out there and do the work, right? Because it's a part of our calling. Mm-hmm. But I think we also need to really slow down. And just like we're being interviewed, we also need to interview the people who want to work with us. Yes. Is this a good energetic match for me? Because yes. this is something that is going to take energy away mm-hmm. from my body. Mm-hmm. I have to pour into this person, pour into mm-hmm. these people. Pour. So mm-hmm. I think we have to practice asking mm-hmm. ourselves, is this mm-hmm. a good energetic match for me mm-hmm. at the beginning? That is something that I've learned. <laughs> before we say yes during I think for me because I am a mom and I was a mom and a doula at the same time I should have said no <laughs> to a lot more things mm-hmm. and I I mean physically showing up for prenatals and labor and birth and postpartum I think I should have taken a different approach right and just like eh, I can't do this one <laughs> my baby is going through this and or I'm just I'm tired mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm tired mm-hmm. and I was I, I was and am just so hungry to do the work I love my families I had a hard time creating boundaries mm-hmm. I had a really hard time creating boundaries mm-hmm. creating boundaries when mm-hmm. you're in it and mm-hmm. then really having a real self-care routine mm-hmm. or after you have supported a family Right after the labor, but then also after postpartum. And Mm -hmm. I think having a closing ceremony for yourself as a doula Mm -hmm. is really important. Mm -hmm. And releasing what we had to hold Mm -hmm. for that family. As beautiful Mm -hmm. as it was, I have to release Mm -hmm. it. But having like a real postpartum Mm -hmm. ritual Mm -hmm. (laughs) for Mm -hmm. yourself, Mm -hmm. I think is really important. Mm -hmm. I 100% agree to everything. I will say I'll share one of my self-care rituals after attending a birth and after finishing mm-hmm. postpartumly is I get in the shower, I run the water, and I cry. Oh. I cry. Mm-hmm. And, and my tears are tears of such gratitude because I know when we're at a birth and we witness a baby coming into this world. I know when I we wrap up postpartum care that that is a gift. We are as doulas have the opportunity to witness, I believe, the greatest thing ever, which is the entry into this world of new life. And I believe very clearly, and I, I think I can say we staff is 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 that is because every time I'm at a birth and close up postpartum and have that closing ceremony, our Aunt Hattie Mae is in the room with us. Our Aunt Hattie Mae is at every postpartum. So when I'm in that shower crying, I am saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you for choosing Bear With Me. Thank you for allowing me to witness. Thank you for guiding my voice mm-hmm. and my heart in my hands. Right. So I would say that's the self-care routine mm-hmm. that I do. Mm-hmm. And then I think lastly, I'll say about self-care and is that we were doing five or six births a month when we first started. We pulled back and went decided to change our model to one in which we can work longer with families 
build deeper relationships, Mm -hmm. more trust. Mm -hmm. And that does mean we take less families. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that we're doing less, providing less care. Mm -hmm. It just means we go deeper with our families now. Mm -hmm. And that has helped in the, in the care and sustainability for us. Mm -hmm. That is so incredible. It's so sobering to hear that you all are pouring into yourself. And Stephanie, I appreciate the vulnerability and the transparency. Mm -hmm. Like, girl, I just, I just, you know, started my self-care, but I mean, we're all on this journey and I'm just so grateful to hear that you all are pouring into yourselves because Mm -hmm. you do so much for so many people. And like Mm -hmm. you said, that energy transfer is so real. And so honestly, we just want to thank you so much for your time, your energy, your expertise, just everything that you you. do. Thank you. We are all family now. Yes. And yeah, lady, as you listen, I hope that you decide to connect with bear with me duo you can find them on instagram the bear the bear with me duo and we'll thank also you. add their links in the show notes so you can keep in touch thank you. ladies is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners that we have is there any way that they can support you and your work or is there any way that you want them to connect with you online so they can mm-hmm. learn more about you let us be that resource for you if we are not in your city and we're not in your backyard Still, let us be that resource. I think we put a, we put some love and laughter on doulas being a part of a bigger community who want to provide resources. But very seriously, we need that. And if it's sending us an email, if it's sending us a DM and saying, "Hey, like, I don't, I just don't know where to start." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have a network and a community of people that we are connected to. So definitely reaching out to us mm-hmm. is very important. You can find all of our contact information. Mm-hmm. online but i would say for sure just let us be your resource let us be your starting point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if nothing else let us be your starting point mm-hmm. ditto to everything that my amazing duo partner just said i would add legislation is real it's happening in this country birth justice is is strong and large. Our voices are loud. So for as many of us, we're, you know, we're doing the work and being in the places, the hospitals, the homes, the birth centers, and helping and supporting with birth and postpartum. And there are also birth workers and doulas who are kicking down the doors around birth justice. So often I would say for non-birthing folks who don't have the internal tools to, to give birth, and you and you're saying, yeah, that's a you know that's a birthing person's issue. It's absolutely not. Get involved, kick down the doors with us. It is a movement, and it's not a movement that's going away anytime soon. And we're making big big moves. Doulas typically do not are not seen and aren't getting paid in many cases a, a living wage to be a doula. And often we can't reimburse in Medi-Cal or any of the other systems that are in place. So a lot of that work is is being hap- is happening to to make those things possible for doulas who want to partake in those systems. So that's what I would say is, you know, be a part of, get your voice out there, continue to kick down the doors with us mm-hmm. we're doing it that is so helpful thank you so much ladies yeah yeah thank you this was this is fun i like what you said stuff love and laughter yeah we had love and laughter on top we had love and laughter <laughs> yes. this was filled with love and laughter so yes. thank you all so much thank we appreciate so it
We appreciate it. Hey, lady. It's Terry here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. I'm hosting a free podcasting masterclass where I'm going to teach you how to create your impactful podcast and how you can generate multiple streams of income. You can visit podcastwithterry.com to register for free. I hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website at cultivatingherspace.com. And be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. What's meant for me will never miss me. I don't have to chase.